0: Welcome back hemming brains to the hemming brains trust we're talking about podcast number what are we doing oh god my brain's not working chapter 118 of of human bondage oh yeah here's what i want a few things to mention actually first of all on the subreddit there was a post by the chevalier that says help Ander out a call for more patrons hey all i'm a straggler just started war and peace A year after, I finished reading it for a year of War and Peace. Then I dove into the rest of the Hemingway list. I'm catching up to the... Reading as fast as I can right now. I'm about halfway through The American. Uh, I don't participate in the discussions much because I'm so far behind, but I plan to when I eventually catch up. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Um, Basically, it just says um, he is surprised, or she, they, are surprised that um, there's so few patrons for such a big community. Anyway it's just a call it's a call to arms for everyone to support the podcast via patreon. I just wanted to make it clear that a I did not ask the Chevalier to do that so um the Chevalier has done that by their own volition uh and B that I really appreciate that the Chevalier has done that It's really kind of you to uh, try to wrangle everyone together for a little support um via patreon.com slash the Hemingway list. Thank you so much for doing that. And thank you to my Patreons who support the podcast that way. Um, So that was the first uh, little thing I wanted to say. Thank you for making that post. I don't often see anything posted on the Hemingway list other than sort of the daily discussions. But it's always nice when I see something else posted on there, and especially nice when it's something like that. The other thing I wanted to say is I need to announce the next book. We've only got four chapters left of this book, so we need to sort out our reading copies for the next one. And I've just opened the result up to see that we will be reading War and Peace. So the good news is that you have a couple of weeks to um to get your copy of war and peace you have a couple of weeks um because we're going to be starting on january 1st so we're going to have a little break of about 2 weeks between finishing this book and starting the next one um which kind of times out nicely doesn't it for the whole christmas holidays and the um and the new year's sort of thing and it will start the new year on January 1st with a, with a reading of War and Peace. I think that's really cool. So in the meantime, in those two weeks in between, we will still be doing daily discussions. What we're going to do is some poetry. We're going to do some poetry. Now, we had two ideas. and I'm not sure which one I like better. They've both got their pros and cons. My idea was to do a handful of Shakespeare's sonnets. Do one sonnet per day for two weeks. The only, well, the con there is that those sonnets aren't on the Hemingway list. So it's kind of off topic slightly. I think it's not too much of a stretch. I'm sure that Hemingway read those sonnets at some point. I'm sure he was a fan of Shakespeare. Um, So I feel like it's quite relevant. And I feel like it's the kind of thing that our community could do a good job of dissecting each one of those poems. So, that's option A. Option B is to read some of the poems from the Oxford Book of Verse, which is on the Hemingway list. So, that's a big plus for that. It's on the Hemingway list, so it's relevant to this list. The downside to that, though, is that we are going to read that book in the near future, when we come around to it. Uh, And then it raises the question of, well... um, do we reread those poems, that handful that we'll cover in the next couple of weeks? Um, and then we'll have doubled up on them and that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm undecided what we'll do in the meantime, in between time. But the thing I can say is that whatever we do in those two weeks will be in the public domain. You won't have to go out and buy a book um, to fill those two weeks. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to find online versions of them. And I think what we'll even do is, because they're just a single poem, is put the full poem into the daily discussion, so you can just read it right there in the Reddit discussion. I think that's a pretty easy way to do it. It's just a question of what those poems will be. But uh, that's going to be easy. You won't have to source them. They'll be supplied for you in the Reddit. Nice and easy. Cool? Very cool. All right. Um... So, yeah, that's the big announcement. War and Peace, it won by quite a lot, which I'm glad, because I felt like I kind of swayed the vote a bit by saying that that was my preference. But it won by a bit of a landslide. And also, last time I included it in the list, it won as well. And I remember that I then had to sort of go back on it and say, oh, I was just including it to see if people were interested but we're not going to do it. And then people got upset that they'd voted for it, and it won, and then we're not doing it. So anyway, we are doing it. It won with 45.9% of the votes, so nearly 50% of all the votes. Um, and the f- and the second place was Buddenbrooks by Thomas Mann with, only, um, with 27% was the next highest. So it had nearly double the amount of votes as the... Um, I'm going to say, like, not quite double, but nearly double the amount of votes as the, the next best one. So, that's that. That's what we're going to do. War and Peace. I'm actually really excited to reread War and Peace. I love War and Peace. Um, I've reread, well, I've more than reread, I've rewritten the first book of War and Peace, the first um, 16 chapters, I think it is, uh, as Aussie translations, which means line by line dissecting and rewriting it. Um, and revisiting that first book was an absolute pleasure. I really loved it. So I'm excited to revisit War and Peace. It's also reinvigorated my, my, love, my love for the um, Aussie translation version of War and Peace. And you know what? Actually, I'll circle back on that around to the Patreon. Because part of the Patreon was... Um, to support the hosting of the Hemingway List podcast and also to support the translating of War and Peace into Aussie. Now, there were sort of goals with that. It was like once we reach a certain amount per month, I will do a certain amount of chapters per month of translation. But we never reached that first goal. I think the first goal was $50 a month. And we never quite got to $50 a month with Patreon support. So I never got locked into, like, um, okay, now I have to produce, you know, one chapter per week or whatever it was. So, if you're a fan of the Aussie version of War and Peace, um, go on to the Patreon and, um, and support it there. Now, I another interesting thought is, here's this, he, hear me out here. If the Patreon um, gets to, if the Patreon gets to one hundred and fifty dollars per month, now it's not even at fifty dollars a month yet, so it needs to get quite significantly higher. But if it gets to one hundred and fifty dollars per month, the goal for that amount of money was: this is my pledge. I will translate one chapter of War and Peace per day. Now we've already got a few up our sleeves. So we're already ahead a little bit. But if I'm translating at the at the pace of one chapter per day, and I'm doing that about a month in advance of where the year of war and peace people are at, then it means you can essentially read a year of war and peace using my translation next year. Uh so there we go. There's a goal for us. It's um, you know, that's a bit of a far-fetched goal. 150 per month is a big amount um it's what's well, more than triple what we're on at the moment um but um i don't know i just thought i would bring that to everyone's attention if the goal if the um pledge amount gets up to 150 per month we'll be you'll be able to read bogan war and peace next year 2021 i think that's really cool um I think, Um, I'm just looking at the, um, yeah, the pledges. You know what? I should really update the pledges, the, sorry, the rewards. There's not really any rewards up until, (laughs) up until the highest tier, which is 150 per month. Um, Then there's a reward. But up until then, it's just sort of like, you know, dollar per month because you want to support the podcast, $5 per month because you want to support the podcast, $10 a month. There's no rewards because I just think, I don't really think it's about the rewards for most people. It's just a way to support it. So maybe I should revisit those. Anyway, I just realized that I'm just sort of thinking out loud at the moment. I'm asking you to support a podcast and yet I'm doing such a terrible job of hosting this very podcast at this very time. Okay, let's actually talk about the chapter. How long have I been recording for? 45 minutes? Uh, discussion prompt one. Does Phil deserve the adventure slash happy ending he wants for himself? Um, And discussion prompt two. Whoever guessed that Phil plus Sally... Nicely done. I think you nailed it. Yeah, I think they're going to get together. That's just me, but I think they're going to get together. Now, does Phil deserve the happy ending that he wants? Swim said the Mama Fish, he says we deserve an adventure slash happy ending, if you reflect on the last few books we've read. We do, we do deserve a happy ending. A happy ending would be very nice for once in that bloody Hemingway list. Um, but, but, hear me out. Would it be satisfying to see Philip get his happy ending? Does it feel like he deserves, you know, this adventure that he wants to go on? He's been a terrible student. He's made terrible mistakes. You know, like when when he was really broke, I wanted him to get some money, right? I did. But then when he went and visited his dying uncle, who was like a father to him, and just was just like, oh, hurry up and die so I can get some money. And then when he finally got that money and he was so happy, it was kind of like, oh, I kind of wish he got screwed over. Like, he doesn't really deserve it, you know? Uh, and now I kind of feel the same way now that he's got the money and he's all kind of happy about being, um, you know, going on adventures and stuff. It's like, oh, I don't know, he's, he's a bit too happy about it. Anyway, that was my thought. Acoustic Eel says this, And uh, I'm happy that you knew the factoid on the derivati- der- derivation of helicopter. I had mentioned that in a draft of yesterday's comment and then cut it. Another bonus deleted scene, pterodactyl means wing finger because they had little claws on their wings that could be used to grab things, I think. Oh, well, very cool. Um, yeah, that helicopter factoid, helico Uh, if I can sidetrack the discussion for a minute out of curiosity. In America, the dominant cultural group only speaks English, and in Europe, you learn your local language, English, and maybe French or German too. Where is Australia on that continuum? Do significant numbers of white Australians speak a language other than English? The bit about the lads and lassies in the hop field and the marriages that always happen at the end of the season seemed like strong foreshadowing. Yeah, very good point. Plus, he's noticing all these attractive features about Sally. It almost seems too obvious now. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah, no, Australia um, has a primary language being English um, using the UK um, spelling and grammar rules. Um, so we speak British English here, essentially, with our Aussie slang attached to it, and we don't really have a, a secondary language, an official sort of secondary language. Australia, uh, English is the primary language, there is no secondary language, so it's, yeah, it's really just English. Um, and then, you know, obviously, um, people speak their own languages in their own communities within that, or, you know, people who have migrated, that kind of thing, um, and we have, you know, uh, especially Melbourne, where I'm from, is they kind of refer to it as a melting pot, as in, as if to say, um, the, it's very multicultural. So there are a lot of different languages spoke, spoken in uh, Melbourne, for sure. Um, but, you yeah, know, English is the is the primary language. Swim so said the moment, she said, here are some statistics for you. Uh, percentage of people who speak a language in addition to English, where English is dominant, Australia, 21%. US, 21.8%. Oh, wow. So even less in Australia than in, uh, in America. Um, Britain, 38%. Canada, 14.2%. While English is the dominant language in Australia, many people speak a language other than English within their families and communities. This linguistic diversity is an asset for Australia and makes us more competitive in trade as well as fostering international ties and cultural exchange. Well, there you go. Um, and it goes on to list all different percentages for all different places. But there you go. That answers your question about Australia. Um, no, it's but we but we just speak English here other than if you uh, are from somewhere else. I am Norwegian said... Oh, yeah, and there's also indigenous languages. Um, but those are very rare. I think even um, sort of indigenous, in, in, indigenous people um, rarely speak those languages themselves. Collectively, here we go. Collectively, Australians speak over 200 languages. Of these, over 50 are actively spoken Australian Indigenous language. Um, Wow, there's 50. There's more than 50 Indigenous languages. I know there's a lot of them. Australian Indigenous languages are spoken by less than 1% of the total population. Um, Yes, not many people speak it, I think. um, Yeah, it's quite... I think some of them are even like sort of dying languages, I believe. I might be making that up though. I am Norwegian said, why we park on driveway and drive on a parkway. Very good, very, uh, I don't know, (laughs) poignant. I don't know. Anyway, hey, let's just read the next chapter. This podcast has gone on long enough. Uh, What are we doing here? Chapter 119. Cool, 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 cool. Ready, set, go. Philip had not a basket of his own, but sat with Sally. Jane thought it monstrous that he should help her elder sister rather than herself, and he had a promise to pick for her when Sally's basket was full. Sally was almost as quick as her mother not it hurt your hands for sewing?' asked Philip. "'I oh, know. It wants soft hands. "'That's why women pick better than men. "'If your hands are hard and your fingers all stiff "'with a lot of rough work, you can't pick near so well.' "'He liked to see her deft movements, and she watched him too now, "'and then with the maternal spirit of hers, "'which was so amusing and yet so charming. "'He was clumsy at first, and she laughed at him. "'When she bent over and showed him how best to deal with a whole line, "'their hands met.' He was surprised to see her blush. He he could not persuade himself that she was a woman because because he had known her as a flapper. He could not help looking upon her as a child still. Yet, the number of admirers showed that she was a child no longer, and though they had only been down a few days, one of Sally's cousins was already so attentive that she had to endure a lot of chaffing. His name was Peter Gann, and he was the son of Mrs. Athelny's sister, who had married a farmer near Fern. Everyone knew why he found it necessary to walk through the hopfield every day. A call-off by the sounding of a horn was made for breakfast at eight, and though Mrs. Athelny told them they had not deserved it, they ate it heartily. They sat to work—sorry, They set to work again and worked till twelve. When the horn sounded once more for dinner... At intervals, the measurer went his round from bin to bin, accompanied by the booker, who entered first in his own book and then, in the hoppers, the number of bushels picked. As each bin was filled, it m- was measured out in bushel baskets into excuse me, a huge bag called a poke. And this the measurer and the pole-puller carried off between them and put on the wagon. Athelny came back now and then with stories of how much Mrs. Heath and Mrs. Jones had picked and he conjured his family to beat her. He was always wanting to make records, and sometimes, in his enthusiasm, picked steadily for an hour. His chief amusement in it, however, was that it showed the beauty of his graceful hands, of which he was excessively proud. He spent much time manicuring them. He told Philip, as he stretched out his tapering fingers, that the Spanish Grandes had always slept in oiled gloves to preserve their whiteness. The hand that wrung The throat of Europe, he remarked dramatically, was was as shapely and exquisite as a woman's, and he looked at his own. As he delicately picked the hops and sighed with self-satisfaction. When he grew tired of this, he rolled himself a cigarette and discoursed to Philip of art and literature. In the afternoon, it grew very hot. Work did not proceed so actively, and conversation halted. The incessant chatter of the morning dwindled now to desultory remarks. Tiny beads of sweat stood in Sally's upper lip, and as she worked her lips were slightly parted. She was like a rosebud bursting into flower. Calling off time depended on the state of the Ost house. Sometimes it was filled early, and as many hops had been picked by three or four as could be dried during the night. Then work was stopped, but generally the last measuring of the day began at five, as each company had its bin measured, it gathered up its things and chatting it now and again now and uh, that, sorry and chatting again now that work was over, sauntered out of the garden. The women went back to the huts to clean up and prepare the supper, while a good many men strolled down the road to the public house. A glass of beer was very pleasant after the day's work. The Athelny's bin was the last to be dealt with. When the measurer came, Mrs. Othelny, with a sigh of relief, stood up and stretched her arms. She had been sitting in the same position for many hours and was stiff. "'Now let's go to the jolly sailor,' said Othelny. "'The rites of the day must be duly performed, and there is none more sacred than that.' "'Take a jug with you, Othelny,' said his wife, "'and bring back a pint and a half for supper.' She gave him the money, copper by copper. The bar-parlour was already well-filled. It had a sanded floor, benches round it, and yellow pictures of Victorian prize fighters on the walls. The licensee knew all his customers by name, and he leaned over his bar smiling benignly at two young men who were throwing rings on a stick that stood up from the floor. Their failure was greeted with a good deal of hearty chaff from the rest of the company. Room was made for the new arrivals. Philip found himself sitting between an old labourer in corduroys, with string tied under his knees, and a shiny-faced lad of seventeen with a love-lock neatly plastered on his red forehead. Athony insisted on trying his hand at the throwing of rings. He backed himself for half a pint and won it. As he drank the loser's health, he said, "'I would sooner have won this than won the derby, my boy.'" He was an outlandish figure, with his wide-brimmed hat and pointed beard, Among those country folk, and it was easy to see that they thought him very queer, but his spirits were so high, his enthusiasm so contagious, that it was impossible not to like him. Conversation went easily. A certain number of pleasantries were exchanged in the broad, slow accent of the Isle of Thanet, and there was uproarious laughter at the sallies of the local wag. A pleasant gathering, it would have been a hard-hearted person who did not feel a glow of satisfaction in his fellows. Philip's eyes wandered out, of the window, where it was bright and sunny still. There were little white curtains in it, tied up with red ribbon, like those of a cottage window, and on the sill were pots of geraniums. In due course, one by one, the idlers got up and sauntered back to the meadow where supper was cooking. "'I expect you'll be ready for your bed,' said Mrs. Athelny to Philip. "'You're not used to getting up at five "'or staying in the open air all day. "'You're coming to bathe with us, Uncle Phil, aren't you?' "'The boys cried. "'Rather.' "'He was tired and happy.' After supper, balancing himself against the wall of the hut on a chair without a back, he smoked his pipe and looked at the night. Sally was busy. She passed in and out of the hut, and he lazily watched her methodical actions. Her walk attracted his notice. It was not particularly graceful, but it was easy and assured. She swung her legs from the hips, and her feet seemed to tread the earth with decision. Athelney had gone off to gossip with one of the neighbours, and presently Philip heard his wife address the world in general. "'There, now, I'm out of tea, and I wanted Ethelny to go down to Mrs. Black's and get some.' "'A pause.' "'And then her voice was raised. "'Sally, just run down to Mrs. Black's and get me half a pound of tea, will you? "'I've run quite out of it.' "'All right, Mother.' "'Mrs. Black had a cottage about half a mile along the road, "'and she combined the office of postmistress with that of Universal Provider. "'Sally came out of the hut, turning down her sleeves. "'Shall I come with you, Sally?' asked Philip.' "'Don't you trouble. I'm not afraid to go alone. "'I don't think you were, but it's getting near my bedtime "'and I was just thinking I'd like to stretch my legs.' "'Sally did not answer, and they were set out together. "'The road was white and silent. "'There was not a sound in the summer night. "'They did not speak much. "'It's quite hot even now, isn't it?' said Philip. "'I think it's wonderful for the time of year.' "'But their silence did not seem awkward. "'They found it was pleasant to walk side by side "'and felt no need of words.' Suddenly, at a stile in the hedgerow, they heard a low murmur of voices, and in the darkness they saw the outline of two people. They were sitting very close to one another, and did not move as Philip and Sally passed. I wonder who that was, said Sally. They looked happy enough, didn't they? I expect they took us for lovers, too. They saw the light of the cottage in front of them, and in a minute went into the little shop. The glare dazzled them for a moment. You're late, said Mrs. Black. "'I was just going to shut up.' "'She looked at the clock, getting on for nine. "'Sally asked for half a pound of tea. "'Mrs. Athowney could never bring herself to buy more than half a pound at a time, "'and they set off up the road again. "'Now and then some beast of the night made a short, sharp sound, "'and it seemed only to make the silence more marked. "'I believe if you stood still you could hear the sea,' said Sally. "'They strained their ears and their fancy presented them with a faint sound "'of little waves lapping up against the shingle.' When they passed the stile again, the lovers were still there, and now they were not speaking. They were in one another's arms, and the man's lips were pressed against the girl's. They seem busy, seemed, said Sally. They turned a corner, and the breath of warm wind beat for a moment against their faces. The earth gave forth its freshness. There was something strange in the tremulous night, and something you knew not what seemed to be waiting. The silence was on a sudden pregnant... With was on a sudden pregnant with meaning. Philip had a queer feeling in his heart. It seemed very full. It seemed to melt. The hackneyed phrases expressed precisely the curious sensation. He felt happy and anxious and expectant. To his memory came back those lines in which Jessica and Lorenzo murmured melodious words to one another, cupping, capping each other's utterance. But passion shines bright and clear through the conceits that amuse them. He did not know... What there was in the air that made his senses so strangely alert, it seemed to him that he was pure soul to enjoy the scents and the sounds of the savours of the earth. He had never felt such an exquisite capacity for beauty. He was afraid that Sally, by speaking, would break the spell, but she said never a word, and he wanted to hear the sound of her voice. Its low richness was the voice of the country night itself. They arrived at the field through which she had to walk to get back to the huts. Philip went in to hold the gate open for her. Well, here I think I'll say good night. Thank you for coming all that way with me. She gave him her hand, and as he took it, he said, If you were very nice, you'd kiss me good night, like the rest of the family. I don't mind, she said. Philip had spoken in jest. He merely wanted to kiss her because he was happy. "'and liked her, and the night was so lovely. "'Good night, then,' he said, with a little laugh, drawing her towards him. "'She gave him her lips. They were warm and full and soft. "'He lingered a little. They were like a flower. "'Then he knew not how. Without meaning it, he flung his arms around her. "'She yielded quite silently. Her body was firm and strong. "'He felt her heart beat against his. Then he lost his head.' His senses overwhelmed him like a flood of rushing waters. He drew her into the darker shadow of the hedge. All right. <laughs> there we go. A little, uh, a little, another, <laughs> another chapter down. Not a little chapter. Um, there's our old Philly getting a bit of a kiss on you, Phil. Have your say about this chapter at the subreddit. Thanks for listening.